Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. This is episode 16 for Thursday, May 4th, 2017. With me, as always, Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. Well, most of the time. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, welcome back. We missed you, man. Missed and you guys, too. Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture. What's up? What's up? How's it going? Good. What are y'all working on this week? Actually, Ben, you're up since since it's been a while. Yeah, so this has been a uh, this has been a busy month for me. Um, so I was uh, sorry about missing the the, the episode last week. Uh, it's all I right. In, you're you're out getting interviews. It's okay. Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> I was down in Atlanta uh, for a it was like a tool review event for Home Depot. So I got to meet a bunch of other makers and another interesting group of people that I hadn't really had much interaction with was uh, a whole bunch of people that write for like uh, making and woodworking magazines. So like professional sort of journalists and media, and they were there to sort of do tool reviews. So we got to see some really cool new uh, products that are coming out. Uh, got to see some really cool demos from companies like Diablo. They're showing some really cool uh, things with their blades and also some sandpaper things that they didn't know. They showed this really cool like mesh sandpaper that you know distributes dust a little bit more evenly. Um, nice. And uh, other than that, uh, I published the video for the steel coffee table. The that thing giant. was awesome. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was actually, it was funny. It was one of the easier projects that I've done because it's like you only need one piece of material (laughs) and you just like cut some pieces off and grind it and you're done. And even though steel is so permanent and heavy and industrial looking, it was only like a three hour total time spent project. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, I really liked the like two-tone kind of thing it gave on all the surfaces where you like ground it down. It was down to the bare metal, but like on what I guess what is now the tabletop, like the top of the I-beam, it still has got that like blackened metal look. I think it's really cool. Right. Abstractly, I always have thought of steel as a sort of monochromatic material that's all one color, but it's not. It has almost the patterns and grains and textures that that wood does, especially when it goes through an industrial process. So there's different parts that have different amounts of sort of mill scale and slag and other parts have a little more rust. And when you really polish it, you see that sort of textural difference that's similar to what you'd see in wood. Yeah, that's awesome. Chris, what are you doing, man? I'm planning stuff. No, so remember <laughs> last week I was... I was about to say, that's the excuse for nothing. No. <laughs> no, no, I got a couple things. So I'm going to start building something this weekend. I'm just finalizing. So remember I was talking about I had a couple ideas that were percolating. So the one that I think I'm going to do first, what I'm going to build this weekend, is something that I've kind of had on the back burner for a little while, which is I've always wanted to do a sort of modern take on the Nelson bench. Mm-hmm. So... I always had kind of an idea in my head. And okay, so if you think about the Nelson bench, there's really just kind of two components to it. So you have your uh, trapezoidal shaped leg and then you have the slatted top. And so I want to do something that pays homage to it, but doesn't look exactly like it, but like you can still immediately look at it and see that it's inspired by it. So the design I had going out first that I thought I was going to build was too, I think I was going too far away from it. Like every piece was still kind of similar, but it didn't, I felt like I would have to tell people that it was inspired by the Nelson bench for them to see it. Whereas now this new design that I landed on that now I I just have to fine tune a couple little points to it. I think like you'd definitely be able to just look at it and be like, oh yeah, that's a modern take on a Nelson bench. (laughs) Yeah. What do you, I mean, I don't want to give away too much, but kind of what are the, some of the things you're changing or what were some of the things you changed too much even? So, okay. So for the original one, so I had the slatted top was similar, but the whole thing had like a long taper to it. So it was thick on one end and thin on the other one. Mm. 
and then the legs were one of them was kind of like a traditional nelson leg and then the other one was turned 90 degrees a little bit like the um the pam's coffee table that i did yeah a, mm-hmm. way like a year ago but it still kept the trapezoidal shape to pay more homage to it <laughs> but now i so i got rid of that and the top is an even thickness now and it's kind of like um the way that i'm going to go for it is like a nelson bench but if a computer did it instead so maybe like <laughs> if there were cnc machines back then yeah. even though it's technically i guess a less efficient way to do it material wise because i'm removing stuff instead of adding to it so that part i still need to fine tune to to make sure exactly how i'm gonna do it but you're not using Um, a cnc uh no i might so i yeah because i might just i not my own i'll just right contract that part out to a sign shop um and it's gonna have more of a a a weird a more random pattern than than what the real one has and then oh what's up ben Oh, no, I was going to say that's a really interesting design concept that you're talking about. Like, I was just listening to someone that was explaining to me what like glitch art is, uh-huh. uh, where it's like sort of digital art where they take, they sort of, you know how like sometimes like a computer will like, it'll like uh, write the code for compressing a file wrong. And so you'll open up like a JPEG and it'll be these like zigzaggy bright color lines on it. Yeah. So there's like artists that actually do that on purpose to create these like very digital looking aesthetics. And the way you sort of described that totally reminded me of it where you're, 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 it's not just using the digital tools to make the thing the way you want it to look. You're actually letting that sort of indicate the aesthetic itself and finding a specific aesthetic uh, to that way of thinking and working. Yeah, if I end up going the route that I'm thinking I'm going to go right now, it would be a way that if you were building it using traditional tools, it wouldn't make sense from a production standpoint. Like it would just take an, an absurd amount of time to do it. And I don't know, it just wouldn't be as strong probably if you were doing it that way. But yeah, still got to fine tune a couple things, but hoping to start that this weekend. What do you got going, Mike? Well, I put out the uh, little A-frame kind of shelf video I was talking about last week. Been getting yep. good feedback on that. And now I'm focusing on 2x4 challenge project videos. Um, nice. I'm working on two right now. I've, I had one at the very start of the challenge that was like my initial inspiration. And I'm still keeping that a little bit low-key. Um, but that one's going to come out a little later. And I wanted something that we could all put out together. So right. I've also had the idea for a really long time of making some picture frames, but instead of using traditional paper matting, is that what they use for mats? Is it like a thick, like cardstock paper? Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like a cardstock. Yeah, yeah, mat board. Instead of using that, I was I've always like thought of using solid wood for that. So I figured this was a good chance to try it out, and <laughs> I understand now <laughs> why it's not just common practice. Warp city. <laughs> yes, especially with wet two by fours. <laughs> So my initial plan was to make three of them. I've come out with one really, really nice one. Uh, I could have came out with two. That one would have still had a little bit of defect in it. So I just decided to commit to one. I had a, I had a really nice, I don't know if you'd call it fan view or whatever, uh, that painted like a modern builds like picture and sent it to me. Uh, his name is Trey. So shout out Trey if you're listening. That's, uh, that was really awesome. And that's what inspired me to actually do it. So yeah, I'm framing up a, a painting, a modern builds painting that someone sent to me. What world is this? <laughs> nice. So when you sandwich the mat board like between the glass and then if you put a backer board, does, is that enough pressure to flatten it back out? Yeah. So I'm not doing a full backer board. Uh, I figured that would be cheating like just mm-hmm. getting a piece of plywood as a backer board that would be the easiest route but i'm just using a couple just little strips of two by four uh 
for the backer board and that, that worked out fine. I just kind of sandwiched it between that and the glass and it, it flattened it out really good. I figured out what I needed to do on the first one. I guess it was kind of getting into it, but eh, well, I'll talk about it anyways. You're going to repeat what yourself I, on the next one, buddy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. It's all about the orientation of the grain. Whenever you're doing a panel okay. that thin, you don't okay. want you don't want the grain going in opposite directions. If it's gonna bend, you want it to all bend like in one direction, like a big U instead of like, like a wavy Beckham. thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you make the glass out of two by four? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Finally if you ground. cut the wood real thin, you can see through it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I've been working on. Uh, it's it's pretty fun and uh, it's coming out really cool. What's our topic nice. this week, Ben? So that was the worst segue I've ever had in my life. No, 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 it's, it's good. So, <laughs> Sounded hostile. So t- I know. Uh, <laughs> it's it's related. Uh, today we're ta- we're talking about how long will it take, there and we're talking about sort of time estimation and time management. And I think this is a it's one of my favorite topics because I always think that we that most of the makers and designers I know tend to always underestimate how long something will take. Oh yeah. And whether it's an extra trip to the hardware store or you're missing a supply or you just ran out of the last sanding pad, there's always something that causes a delay or you realize your, sh- uh, your saw wasn't set up perfectly square so you have to redo a cut. So I want to talk a little bit about just how we manage time and how we sort of set expectations. Um, and I think that's it's an important thing because other than expense, it's one of the things that uh, I think people really use as an evaluation for what sort of projects they're going to do, right? So one of the reasons why IKEA sells things at a reasonably affordable price is that some assembly is required, which means that, you know, that's part <laughs> of the deduction is your own labor is going into it. Yeah. That's why they may be cheaper than some other furniture brands. Um, and I think that's part of the things when people assess making purchases or deciding between whether to purchase uh, a new piece of furniture or build it themselves. It's like, well, how long will this really take me? And at what point is it not fun? Right. So we've touched <laughs> upon this before, right? Like, uh, you, Mike, your power carving experiments were pretty time consuming. Like, Almost to the point, I would imagine, where you're at some point sitting there covered in sawdust, just thinking, like, <laughs> your back hurts. Yep. Like, wait, was this really <laughs> Why worth it? Why did I choose to do this? Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was worth it, for the right. record. <laughs> uh, so that's what I thought I'd talk about uh, tonight. And I think uh, I'll sort of, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Um, so one of the things that uh, a lot of people will, 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 will point to about my sort of work is that they'll say, oh, you did that in a slower way. Or that came up today uh, when I posted the steel table video. I knew I was going to get a lot of comments about why don't you just get a torch and cut it? Yeah. And it was interesting because everyone sort of says that, oh, you got to do it this way, it's faster. You got to do it this way, it's faster, it's faster, it's faster. But it's not that much faster. It probably would have saved me about an hour and a half. But setting up a torch versus like pulling out an angle <laughs> grinder, yeah. the amount of storage that a torch takes. So I think there's this obsession sometimes with the most efficient time ways to do something. And that's true and very important if you're going into production to make and sell things. But one of the things that's kind of cool since we're all sort of doing mostly one-off projects now is that we don't really have to conform to that. So we can almost tend to prioritize what's on hand more than what sort of is ideal. Because if I'm only going to make, if I was going to make ten of those tables, I would go get a torch. Right. But if I'm only making one, <laughs> it's not that, worth it. Yeah. To even to go rent the rig 
and just drive and get it, set it up and figure it out and get the safety gear would yeah. would take quite a bit of time. And then by the end of it, you're still going to have to use a grinder to smooth out your torch like where you cut it. So you're back to the grinder anyways, probably. You know what? Yeah. To, and actually to take your point to the extreme, Ben. So, okay. So we come at it from one angle as producing one of something and, and time is a factor for us for sure. Obviously, if like you were saying, if you're running a business where you're mass producing these things, you're going to want to do them as efficient as possible. But think of the bulk of people who are doing this type of stuff, who are doing it purely as a hobbyist. Maximizing time could actually be a benefit to you because it's what you're doing like for fun and <laughs> yeah, to relax. It's more time in the so, shop. Exactly. You kind of want to want it to take more time. I mean, maybe not for like uh, a very uh, repetitive yeah. task, but you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an interesting thing because, you know, I, I think about with like relation to cooking, and uh, things like Blue Apron they save you a little bit of time because everything's already sort of pre-portioned and it makes the shopping experience easier. But right. it also they tend to be more complicated recipes than what I would do on my own. So yeah. they're saving time in some ways, but the the complexity that they have like you know five or six different ingredients for each one of the dishes is added complexity over to sort of probably three ingredient things that I would typically do. There's an interesting sort of conception of there, sort of the time versus labor versus like reducing complexity to sort of save time. Right. So what's been your guys' longest project and what was the shortest one? I'll go, I'll go first. So my okay. longest one is actually the one that I'll put out next week, the record player. I'd say that one or Bad Larry, probably the record player though. It was I'm very time consuming just because, yeah, I'm excited to put it out. <laughs> I, I just started editing it like yesterday. Yeah. Um, it, it was just so much because of like the way that I built up the interior. There was so much cut something, check it, and just like slowly nibble away at it till it fits. And I had to do that for like 10 things in a row and so many pieces to prep. Like the, the first two days of building, which I know sounds crazy to you guys probably, uh, like we're literally just like getting things ready almost to build. Yeah. What was what was your longest one? Uh, then we'll go back. And man, my ones. longest one. It was probably. It wasn't a video that I. Uh, it wasn't a video, but it was the very first big big project I ever did. Was I built myself a bed, mm-hmm. and that was whenever I was. I had, that was one of my first like ten projects probably, and I remember that one took me forever. And I got to the point where I was like, God, this is never going to be done, and I'm right. probably never even going to like. It's probably not even going to hold myself up when I'm done with it, but it did. But my fastest one though. That's the one I'm working on right now. I got these picture frames done in a day, which is not very normal, oh, wow. and I really liked it. Nice. <laughs> Quick projects are pretty fun. They're like great momentum builders. Exactly. No, I think that's a great a great way to describe it. Like yeah. I like to mix it up because if you put like three or four really arduous tasks in between, you can start to get a little bit beaten down. For sure. Yeah. And also with those bigger yeah. projects, when something goes wrong, and it always will, <laughs> and then you think, oh, and then I have a schedule, and then I got to do this other big one right after it. So I tend to like to do that uh, where I'll do like a big project, and then I'll do two or three little ones. So I'll do something that's like the plywood table, which wasn't so much time to make, but it was a lot of time to sort of plan and work on the sort of cut sheet since yeah. we're, we're using this sort of unitized, uh, you know, I was trying to get it all out of one sheet of plywood. The same thing for the, the, the two by four project that I'm working on. And I just posted a teaser of it on Instagram. The build parts really doesn't take that long. But sort of working out the dimensions to efficiently use the material. <laughs> yeah. And and that forces this really interesting trade off where if I if it was if I had four two by fours to use, I could have made it a lot faster. A lot of that time oh. is going into save 
and make a more efficient use of the material without as much sort of waste or cutoff. Um, And I think that's one of the interesting uh, conceptions of time. The other thing that I think is a common misconception is time in relation to craftsmanship. A lot of people think of like craftsmanship as like an actual sort of physical dexterity, but it also just might mean like how much of a hurry you're in. And that could be a lot of the big difference, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I'm pretty impatient when it comes to making. I just want to rip through it and get it done. And mm-hmm. so I probably could, you know, sort of uh, uh, have the, the finger dexterity to actually pull things off in a more precise way. But it's, so it's not like a physical, you know, thing of craftsmanship. It's more about how I value sort of details versus time is what's sort of leading to that sort of sloppiness. Yeah, I think that I actually probably get a lot of comments about like, oh, you're a true craftsman, more so because of the way that I film myself than what I'm actually doing in there, where like, you know, showing a lot of detail shots and, you know, for the most part, they're not sped up shots, they're in real time. And so people interpret that as, you know, you know, I, probably because you guys speed up your videos more often, or at least Ben, mm-hmm. they picture you in the shop as like actually going <laughs> a thousand miles an hour. Stuff around. Around. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the Tasmanian devil yeah. or something. Yeah. Something else I've been trying to do is just increase, I know it kind of goes with time management, is just shop efficiency while I'm in there. So like yeah. something that I tend to do a lot is if I've got a project going and for instance, I have something that's I just clamped up, there's usually always something else I could be doing while that glue is drying, but I always tend to just like be like, okay, cool, now's a t- good time for a break and like go like get a beer, not a beer, a nice glass of water <laughs> or something like that. Milk. Yeah. <laughs> And so like that was something I was doing on this this recent project was every time like I had paint drying or I had this drying or whatever it was I was like okay what else can I do and I found that what else can I drink yeah normally <laughs> yeah normally what would have taken me you know two days two light days took me just one day of just kind of like just getting to it and getting it done you know that's another yeah. way to I don't know think about time management it's just when you're spending that time how efficient are you actually making it? Right. And, yeah. and another way that it factors in for me is it's one of the reasons why I don't set a schedule for video posting. Yeah. That I find that if I put, say, oh, I'm going to do a video a week, then it changes what I design. Yeah. That I end up sort of only selecting projects that take a week. Whereas <laughs> right. if I sort of say, hey, I'm going to put out videos wherever, I'm going to do a long one and then a couple short ones, I think it makes ensures that I get a broader variety and that I'm selecting from my best ideas, not the ideas that fit the format. So I'm a big believer that the specificity of the content is more important than the structure or the format. Meaning that if you have a great video, it doesn't matter if the font doesn't match the previous one, (laughs) or if your logo's a little bit off. Those are things that it's nice to have, it's, it's good to have, you should practice those just as a general sense of discipline, but they aren't gonna be the game changers for you as much as like really great creative content. Yeah, yeah. True. I think to your point, that was, that's something that I struggle with a lot, and this, this is a little bit of inside baseball, I guess, because it gets into YouTube, and like you always hear stuff about the algorithm and that it wants you to post once a week, and now people are putting up videos saying, oh, it's gonna favor posting twice a week and all this stuff. And to me, that was always like very disheartening because the stuff that I'm doing and working full-time, there's just no way that I can set a schedule like that for myself. Yeah. And so 
there was a period where I was actually trying to do smaller projects and do them more regularly and they didn't perform that well. And then at the beginning of the year, that's when I was like, okay, I'm just going to take my time and go back to big projects. And they've performed well for me. And it's been confidence building to be like, okay, you can take the time and do these big things. And if the quality's there, people will appreciate it. So from other YouTubers, that's like one of the big questions. It's like one of the big inside uh, baseball topics to talk about is the algorithm. And I kind of like hate using that word because it always (laughs) makes me want to ask people, do you even know what an algorithm is? (laughs) Like explain to me what an algorithm is. And most people can't. And it ends up becoming this sort of magic mystery things. And they get very conspiratorial about it. And YouTube is doing this to screw us. No. Right. No. What matters is, it's funny, I'm actually, uh, one of the other reasons why I've been a little bit behind on podcasting duties and some other stuff is I'm I'm getting ready to give a a lecture. It'll be the same night that this uh, episode comes out. So Thursday, May 4th, uh, I'm giving a big lecture at the Autodesk Build Space. It's uh, it's a little nervous for it. It's going to be like, they just found out it's sold out. It's like 300 plus that's people, exciting. Yeah. Watch yeah. out. Yeah, it's <laughs> exciting, but you know, like public speaking, it is like the number one most common fear. Like, Oh, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not terrified of it, but I always just get, it's like a good nervousness, like mm-hmm. really amped up. At least you um, got a couple under your belt already. This yeah. is your biggest uh, one yet though, right? Yeah, this Plus, is bigger. Yeah. No pressure, but <laughs> you're like, speaking <laughs> to a couple thousand people right now. Yeah, that's I know, but it's like I'm with it's friends. They're not looking at you. Right. I know. It's not in real time. And, and conversational stuff like this is just so much easier than oh, yeah. when you have to be things. I always have these fears yeah. that like one of the slides is going to have like a misspelling on it, uh, <laughs> which actually happened at the, the Making It meetup. Um, oh, what? I forgot what I'm talking about. So it worked out. Um, Let's see. Algorithm. Yeah. So people keep talking about this, you know, this mystery algorithm and these things. And one of the things that I'm talking about in my talk is how there's always going to be things like that that are mysterious that you're not really sure if you're doing it right and that's okay but it's almost always going to be better to focus on the things that you can control and that's why rather than tailoring to something that might not actually be the way you think it is like this algorithm and the schedule and these things it's really just about utilization of the resources that you have that you think are your sort of best advantage. Yeah. So I think right. that's a great way to think about your own time is that if you're only gonna make you know one video every two or three weeks or whether or not you're gonna make a video, you know, uh, you know, two videos a week, or even if you forget videos, even if you're just making projects, um, if you have a very minimal house, maybe you should, or you know, a small uh, loft apartment, Maybe you, you can take more time for furniture because you don't need as many pieces. If you have a house with like five different guest rooms that you need to fit out and stage <laughs> that you end up Airbnb, yep. you might have a little bit of different conception about how you take time for projects. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And the whole way I look at the whole like algorithm algorithm thing, even though we're already out of, I don't know why I'm bringing it back up, is I think when people look at it, I can understand that idea when it comes to people that are talking about like topical things. Like if... If you're someone like right. a Philip DeFranco or if you're like H3H3, that makes sense yeah. because if there's like, for instance, like the whole Pepsi thing, like you've got yeah. a thousand people that just made a video about Pepsi. So yeah, the the algorithm is probably going to favor people that it knows is going to like follow up if they do push a video. But, you know, there's not a thousand people putting out a coffee table video every day. You know what I mean? So we don't have that's, like that same right. kind of competition for viewership. That's that, a really good and point. Also, we're really, I mean, there's, maybe there's somebody in our space that's personality-based, but for the most part, like, there's a few people who like you, but most, the the lion's share of people could 
really give a damn about you and all they're interested <laughs> in is what they see you building oh man you burst in yeah, my they, bubble sorry they, they just like mark's designs they don't care about mark Dang. you only love me for my my doggy house i just got a i just got a painting from a viewer man well i i was thinking he's one of the special ones <laughs> what, exactly. one of the examples of that is have you guys ever watched uh primitive technology yeah he's like the, mm-hmm. like that guy's a great example he doesn't make that many videos, and he has a ton of subscribers and a ton of views yeah, because right. he does really interesting things that are always amazing. Like, <laughs> I was watching one yeah. today. He made this like water hammer. It was it was just insane. Like the, the the way he just sort of attacks a big design challenge, breaks it down into little steps, and makes pretty amazing things with literally his bare hands. Um, <laughs> and so it's like it's really about. I think both with design and making or even this sort of media thing that we're doing, it's really just about, it's good to know other people's rules of thumb and what works for them, not to follow as a prescription, but to get sort of conceptual ideas to find the prescription that works for you. Cream rises to the top. Heck yeah. Yeah. So we're talking (laughs) about Pepsi this uh, weekend for the weekend show? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is that, I I haven't even seen it. Is that the commercial with one of the Kardashians or whatever, or Jenners? Yeah. Yeah. It it made people (laughs) upset. that's yeah. way old news. It is. Yeah. But then I did see, I saw a Heineken thing on YouTube. It was one of the pre-roll things where it was like kind of, ah, never mind. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> were well, they like making fun is, of it? Technically, this no, is part of I our work, you know? It, it was kind of the same. It, so it was, they had people who had like different opinions on something. So there was one person that thought climate change was fake. And one person that was like a big climate change guy. I don't know guy person (laughs) and then they don't know that and they put them in a room and they make them like do tasks together and then they um talk and then do another task and then it reveals to each other who they are and like what their beliefs are and then they can choose to either like have a beer together and talk or gotcha go their separate ways the idea of like meeting somebody without knowing anything about them or like without right. having anything to judge them on. Yeah, yeah. that's sort of like what we did. We just sort of got together and decided to do a podcast Straight without up. knowing a ton about <laughs> I know, each other. it's like, hey, we've like <laughs> talked three times in our life. Let, yeah, let's do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm slowly going to turn it into my agenda of climate change. That's too. what it Uh-oh. is. <laughs> I'm getting no. That was step one. Yep. Bring it Boom. up. Boom, there. Now, now I've broached it. Yeah. Um, should we, we get into a, a submitted question that's kind of... A little bit on topic. Yeah. On climate what we change, were talking yes. About. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Why is it so hot? No. Um, let's see. Okay. So this one comes in from Mitch Stanton. And he says, I'm assuming you all started woodworking and building things as a hobby. Now that it has become a job or more of an obligation, what hobbies do you have or what do you do in your spare time to blow off steam? Ooh. Hmm. I've been making a lot of music lately. Yes. I, that's what oh, nice. like that's what I went to school for, and I was kind of like whenever I was feeling like I didn't want to do music, I was like that was when I was woodworking. It was kind of like my my hobbies have like flip flopped. What I was planning on doing like as a profession is now being my hobby, and what I was planning on doing as a hobby is now my profession. <laughs> but yeah, nice. I've just been I've been like what kind of music do you like playing? Like what do you uh, like? What's your What's your style? What's your sort of instrument? Do you sing? Like, well, uh, no, I, I sing so poorly. So no, I play. Uh, I play. Give a, us some. <laughs> <laughs> no, I play. I play a little. I play a little guitar, a little bass, little drums. Um, how small but, are they? Uh, how small are they? 
Yeah, miniature. You said little. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I play miniature instruments. Oh, like a ukulele? Yeah, everything is like three octaves higher than what they would be. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but uh, but no, I've been, uh, I kind of mess around a little bit from like just kind of like indie rock to like kind of more ambient stuff. That was whenever I was in a band, that's what we played was uh, kind of like instrumental post-rock style stuff, like explosions in the sky-esque. Okay. Uh, this will destroy you type stuff. Uh, so that's uh-huh. kind of like what I kind of like to just like chill stuff that's good to kind of unwind to and like have a whiskey with. No. <laughs> What's your favorite Explosions in the Sky album? Ooh. The first one. Earth is mm-hmm. not a cold, dead place. Yeah. Yeah, that is the best You can't one, beat huh? it. I know. I missed I missed the opportunity to see him last weekend. <laughs> I went to uh, Dallas for a buddy's bachelor party, but Explosions was in town that Saturday. I was kind of... I mean, I was happy because it was still a good weekend, but I was also like slightly bummed out. I was like, it had to be the same weekend, huh? <laughs> you blowed it. I blewed it. Yep. So for me, okay, I guess the first thing that I thought of when I read the question is the whole idea that job and hobby has to be mutually exclusive. Ooh. So for me, I mean, I still do work a regular full-time job and yeah, the, the creating or woodworking is a job also, but it is still pretty much my hobby. I mean, it is still what I enjoy doing. And I wouldn't even say that it's become less enjoyable. It's become more um, forced. Like, you know, there's times that maybe <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go out there after a long day or, or I would like to just relax on the weekend. And, you know, I have a, an obligation to go out there. I mean, so, yeah, that that's tough. And I guess that makes it into a job and less hobby-ish than, than it could be. But it is, I still do consider it a hobby. Definitely, yeah. Um, if I was just talking about purely just like, okay, I want to be totally lazy and unproductive and I'm going to go do something for fun. I mean, mostly I just like hanging out with friends and goofing around and playing video games, I guess. Mm, what video games? So, <laughs> late, well, I'll probably get into this. I used to like playing games like competitively, like more like first-person shooter type stuff, yeah. but... My personality is like if I'm not going to be good at it, then right. I don't want to do it. So, so since I don't have the time to dedicate to being good at it anymore, now it's more like casual type stuff. So I don't even get those games anymore. It'll just be like car racing stuff. That you type didn't of get thing. Battlefield One. No, Bro, it was fun. but I will say this: I was once for a uh, Guitar Hero Two. I was at one point ranked like number three in the world on one of the songs. Oh, what song was it? Wow! It was uh, Toadie's Possum <laughs> Kingdom. You know that song? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I was up there, baby. What a multi-talented could, could have had a career. group we are. <laughs> Top three yeah. in the world. Yeah. yeah for, for me, I don't think of hobbies as subject matter. I think of them as things that I don't care whether or not I do them efficiently or on a schedule. So uh-huh. some of the making stuff that I do is very much professional, but some of it, I might not make a video of it. It's, it's very casual. Or I'm just doodling or I'm experimenting or just doing it because I want to. And maybe I won't even publish that. Or sometimes I publish videos that really I just like, and I don't really care if the the audience is like this one sucks or it's too extreme. Yeah. Um, but I think the same way, uh, you know, it's really about uh, the same way I manage time with anything. Uh, sometimes when I prepare dinner, I'm just about okay. I got a million things to do. Uh, I'm just gonna like cook the most efficient, reasonably nutritious thing, and then just like get out and get done. Right. But other times I like to experiment have friends over. Uh, I got like a sous vide machine, which is like a really interesting way to cook things. And that becomes a hobby. So it's not that cooking is my hobby, but occasionally 
I'll go slower and be more experimental and, you know, involve it into a social part of my life. Yeah. So it's more that I think I try to keep, is I try to keep time set apart where I can be experimental and have no time pressure and I don't have to be ruthlessly efficient or have a direct goal. So for me, hobby time is like the suspension of an expectation for outcomes and like doing it at a leisurely pace. Because if I'm like even uh, there's a big difference between going for a walk and like sprinting, (laughs) even (laughs) if you're covering the same amount of distance, one can be exertion and the other one could just be sightseeing. And so I think it's really about sort of managing and adjusting your time and expectations is what makes something a hobby or sort of a serious uh, enterprise. What uh, if you had to say like specific hobbies, even if it was in the past, what were some of them that you've had just to get to know Ben, you wait a bit. Um, let's see. Well, I used to do like competitive martial arts and kickboxing, um, uh-huh. but it was, you know, like your case with video games, like the minute, you know, I couldn't do it all my time focused that. And it was really, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed being good at something. Um, right. Yeah. And so I think my my investment of time into it wasn't because I liked kicking and punching. It was because I liked the the feeling that I was building a skill that I that I was good at. But it's like not the most useful skill in the world. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. You get those trolls. I'm saying unless uh, some hood rats come on you or something. Yeah. One swift kick to the neck. <laughs> yeah. So that that would be like an example. And then you know, uh, other than that, like I like sort of outdoorsy things. Uh, I like uh-huh. climbing. Uh, I like sort of hiking and stuff like that. Not so much on like trails, but so on this road trip was a great example. I always remember like when I was a kid in the back of my parents' car and we were like going on a road trip or somewhere, I'd always look out the window and I would just see like an interesting rock formation or like a weird forest or even an abandoned building. And I'd always be like, oh, I just want to like get them to stop so I could just go investigate, just go sort of poke around, see what it's like, climb on some stuff. So when I was driving down to Atlanta, because I was doing this uh, this thing with Acura, I actually got to do that, and it was really fun. So it's like whenever I saw like a cool, like just little patch of forest or an interesting formation or an abandoned building that uh, looked reasonably safe, <laughs> I could like either go investigate it, and it was because I was just driving by myself, or I I brought a drone with me, which was an awesome yeah. way to sort of explore from the road. So I, I think that. it's I think it's like that. It's and again, it's just going in a direction without specific expectations it wasn't like oh i don't want to go to this tourist thing because i kind of know what i'm getting i'd rather see the weird sort of abandoned building than the grand canyon in a lot of ways because i like the feeling of discovery and not sure what's going to happen rather than being like okay i've seen a million pictures of antelope canyon i want to go get the same freaking selfie that everybody else does (laughs) in there where they crop out all the tourists so it looks like they're in this majestical place that's really like littered with like people with fanny packs <laughs> yeah i say cooking though is the, is the is cooking and like making having friends over and like making dinner uh would be like the most common sort of leisurely activity that i that i'm involved in the dinner party yeah guy. let me yeah. when uh <laughs> when you cook do you uh put like a lot if it was for a dinner party like do you put a lot of effort into like presentation and that kind of stuff i put like uh, a reasonable amount of effort but again, it's like it's like the same sort of thing as my design philosophy is to try to simplify and you let the ingredients do a lot of the work. <laughs> so yeah. I'll do a lot of like steaks or fish or something like that with like a little bit of green vegetables and then get plates that everything looks really good on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like all sometimes if I'm even just like cooking something for my son who's 
just turned four so he doesn't care like yeah. i don't know what what it is like i i'm not a good cook but i'm a terrible cook actually but that's, that's like if really i really surprising if i can just fo- that's my thing is that if i can focus on just like one thing like i'm just making this thing if i have to multitask it all it goes to hell but if it's just like one thing i'll be like i'm gonna do everything perfect and like make it look all pretty and know, it's just kind of fun yeah. yeah to do that stuff Oh, and also just drinking with friends is always fun. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just blacking out with friends. <laughs> drinking your it's face my hobby. Off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sitting under Actually, bridges and abandoned yeah. parking lots and drinking. That's what you're doing on that Acura road yeah. trip? No. <laughs> yeah. no. No drinking and driving. Oh, yeah, I forgot. My bad. Maybe in a Tesla. Good question. I like that one. It tied into the main topic. It did, yeah. Yep, for sure. So we have a good hypothetical this week? We do. Is it another fan, one. So this one, one? another fan one? Yeah, awesome. so Wait, I got who, this one on Instagram. Who asked that question? Oh, we should give him a shout out. So it comes from underscore a glimpse inside, all one word. Shout out. There it is. <laughs> Follow him. Um, so he says, is making things so important that a 100% financial secure future could be yours if you just gave up making things with your hands? So I'm going to kind of twist that a little bit and turn it into more of a hypothetical. So I'm going to pose it this okay. way. Would you give up making things? And let's just limit that to things like woodworking, metalworking, pottery. So we're, we won't say making food, for example. <laughs> okay. Um, so all that ty- type of stuff. And in exchange, you would get a certain amount of money. So let's open the door at $2 million. For the rest of your life, you can never mm. make things again. <sighs> no. Uh, it would have to be way more than that. Um, so it would have to be enough that I could just like yeah. ball out for the rest of my life. You know what I'm like? <laughs> I need like throwing money like two chains. Right. Well, see, that's, that, that, that should really be the question is like, what's your number? Oh, like, what's geez. their sort of retirement n- number? Well, it's, I mean, uh, yeah, well, go for it. It's, I was going to say, but, well, here, real quick, before we get into the number. So I would actually say that I would do this, and it has not that much to do with the number. I think my number would be lower just because even though I'm really into woodworking and, and designing and building things and I really enjoy it, I feel like I could take that same passion and creativity and do something else. Yeah. Like I would find another outlet to satisfy myself and to do something with. Yeah. Um, so I think for Video that games, reason, basically. My, there it is. <laughs> I just start a GoPro. Yeah. No, I, I, I tend to sort of agree the, I mean, I don't want to get into like the specificity of what it means like design versus making, but I, I've always considered myself more of a designer than a maker. So I would just move to 3D modeling stuff. And I mean, so we'd, we'd have to get really specific about this rules of this contractual yeah, right. uh, <laughs> arrangement. But in, in general, like, here's the thing. I, I wouldn't be afraid either way. Uh, and I would just sort of evaluate it based on the sort of money versus like what I actually want to do over that next period of time. Um, right. You know, I think there's, uh, I could have a lot of fun simply by taking that money and investing in other makers and sort of providing right. advice and sort of building maybe like a giant multi-channel network that doesn't suck. Um, yeah. Right. That's like completely dedicated to the space. So I think it's, it's not about what I'm doing. It's about sort of just feeling like I have opportunities to have impact within the spaces that I'm interested in. And then right. that becomes an evaluation of the sort of financial resources versus the specificity that I can bring to the table with my own two hands. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's something that I kind of think about with, with the channel is that the more that it goes on, I wonder if the more that I'll get pigeonholed into having to meet certain expectations that the viewers have. Like in my dream scenario, it would actually, the channel would evolve with my interests and could even potentially go 
totally away from woodworking. I don't think that's realistic to happen. I think that if you were to do that, you'd be abandoning abandoning a huge part of your audience probably so i feel like it's almost like putting an obligation on me that's going to force me into staying interested and being more interested in this than i would have naturally been just right you know given my past track record and and the way that i tend to be but yeah that would be kind of my dream scenario to do that so i would almost look at the opportunity to be paid to quit doing it as like an invitation to go explore other things. That's a good point. But then what if you go explore other things and realize, dang, I just want to make stuff. My one <laughs> yeah, true love. No. <laughs> Baby, I want you back. <laughs> it's too late. You give back the money. <laughs> yeah, it's too you late. You already spent it. <laughs> yeah. Then I guess let's let's now go into the price. So oh, okay. What price would you do it for? Well, I think it's, it's more interesting to think about. Uh, so a lot of my friends that are entrepreneurs – They'll, they'll always have that conversation where it'll be like, what's your sort of number where you'd walk away from everything? And they're more adept at sort of financial concepts than I am. So they think of it in terms of a number. I've always thought of it more as a as a passive income number rather than a lump sum number. Yeah. Um, right. Because that lets me sort of plan out lifestyle rather than plan out like, what am I going to do with this giant right. you know, Scrooge McDuck swimming pool full of gold? <laughs> the... So I've always thought of it more as a, as a passive uh, income thing. And I always thought that it'd be like sort of whatever I think that would be like my comfortable sort of lifestyle plus an extra 30% for uh, contingencies and unforeseen circumstances. I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that, you know, f- financial stuff, it it is definitely related to happiness in terms that it can cause stress and unhappiness. Right. But once you have the removal of the negative, the addition doesn't add that much more positive. Um, right. So it, it wouldn't be that, that much. It would just be, you know, enough to sort of take care of the, the people that I care about and, uh, you know, a little 30% contingency just to remove stress. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember seeing the, on that point a study one time that said, I can't remember if it was seventy or maybe $80,000 a year that for, I think it was for an individual, that that's like where the diminishing returns start. Yeah, that past eighty thousand, like you incrementally get less and less happy with more money. Wow! Yeah, yeah. it so was an actual mean. chart of more money, more problems. <laughs> For real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, it was authored by Doctor Biggie Smalls. <laughs> I would just want enough that I could just get like a big, like hundred acre compound, and like have my like off road like trails, have like places where I can just shoot guns and all kinds of stuff, and then just like have all the homies and like family and stuff. Well, don't shoot the well, homies. Well, I'm not shooting the homies. I'll <laughs> shoot with the homies. <laughs> so th- that sounds like two hobbies right there that you left out. Like yeah. guns and, and off-roading. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I mean, I wish... Well, you got all that money, you're going to need some Yeah, hobbies. I wish off-roading was a hobby. I just, I've never gotten into it, but I would. I'd have some like, have some quads, have some like, dirt bikes. Like motorcycles or, okay, like ATVs Yeah, but then again, like, something I've always wanted to do is go like dune bugging out in the desert somewhere. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot of the fun, I feel like. All right, well, we'll work <laughs> okay, on that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just all meet outside of Vegas one time and go hit the dunes. Hey, hopefully the, hopefully the person who wrote this in is, like, super wealthy and is just going to send That's us all a check. That's what he's trying to like, figure quit. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just how big of a check am I going to have to write you guys? So, a glimpse inside, send me that check for $2 million and Yeah. No, we just gotta, watch we're just going to find a, a dune buggy sponsor. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike can be bought for cheap. Just get, like, a... Ten thousand dollar dune buggy. He's out. <laughs> That's good. Awesome. I like that one. That was a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Should we get into what we're obsessed with? Yeah. 
Chris, what are you upset? Actually, you know what? I'm going to go for it. You ready? Nespresso machines. Oh, interesting. Man, that's just a one, like a one <laughs> button espresso. That is freaking sweet. I've been drinking way too many of Wait, them. Wait, are you saying <laughs> you're all Nespresso? on Mountain Dew? <laughs> no, they're good. I was, I had one like right before we sat down. But is that like, is it the same thing? Yeah, as it's like a Keurig, espresso? like a Keurig thing. Yeah. Okay, it's okay, one of the little pod machines. Yeah. I get you. Yeah, but yeah, those those are really those are really interesting. Uh, in some of the offices that I've been in for like startups and stuff, mm-hmm. they seem to be pretty common because they're like, I think it's not just how fast it makes the coffee; it's like how contained the cleanup. And is. no one's gonna break your machine. They're just it's like just put right. it in there and press the button. Don't break it. Yeah, coffee is I think such an uh, an important decision, and I was torn between that and what I do is sort of pour over. Yeah. So, uh, which I like it because it's one of the easiest ways to clean something. Uh, so it's just I put the pour over device over like uh, the cup or the the coffee pot or a cistern, and then when when as soon as I'm done pouring the the water through the filter, I just grab the holder thing, dump it in the trash, put it in the dishwasher. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Nespresso sure are nice, but you know all those little pods. Not that it's man, not, I, I mean I waste yeah. way more stuff than that, but it's like. <laughs> No, I feel you, but I haven't gotten them in yet, but I ordered some, they're the like stainless steel reusable pods off of oh, Amazon. Oh, sweet. So you pack them exactly, yourself? Exactly, yeah. Or? That way I can put some like Starbucks coffee in there too, because I, I like their dark roast. Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? I'm, I'm not a coffee guy, but about maybe twice a year or so, I'll, I'll taste black coffee just with nothing uh-huh. in it. And I always say, as soon as I like that, like when I taste that, I'm like, mm, this is good. Then I'll start drinking coffee, but I'm just not there. Try it. Somebody, I need to like get my hands on some good Try coffee or something. Do you do, do you do caffeine or like energy not drinks? Really. Or soda? I'll, like, no? I'll, I'll drink soda like if I'm having pizza or something like that. But for the most part, I just drink water. Yeah. I'm boring. <laughs> All right. Well, you got to try You got to try like a double shot with a little cream in it, man. It's good. Okay. No, shout out to Nespresso. Shout out. (laughs) Sponsor me Nespresso. I'll I'll make a nice little like coffee station video for you. Yeah, and do it in like 10,000 speed. Yeah, for real. You know what it does to your productivity. (laughs) Yeah. What are you obsessed with, Chris? So kind of going back to video games. Last week I picked up Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Mm. for the Switch. That's a good one. It is? It's been been a long time since I had a Mario Kart game. And it's, it's good because it's like... You know, it's one of those games that you can pick up and play for three minutes if you need. Right. Like, you know, you don't have to dedicate a lot of time to it, kind of like Zelda was, which is the other game that I had for the Switch. So I've been doing, been playing that a lot this past week. And I'll week tell you something little about here Mario there. Kart. What's up? There's not a lot more game like playing with other people, there's not a lot of games that can get more competitive than Mario Kart. Because I feel like it's, to a yeah. degree, it's such a level playing field. Because once you understand yeah, like the four the, controls, everyone's kind of at the same level for the most part. Yeah, and it kind of handicaps you by giving the people that are towards the back of the pack all the yeah, good stuff, so like so they can get can, back it can into get it. heated or competitive. Yeah. So I've been playing that. It's it's funny. Uh, like so, I've had the switch for I don't know a couple months now, and I never told. I always kept it hidden behind the TV because I didn't want my son to see it and <laughs> grab it and break it. So I was like, okay, this can be the switch's coming out oh, party yeah. now. So introduced him to it this weekend and he's been playing it we play together a little bit so it's cool to play a video game with with the kid so for me i've been interested in this website atlas obscura um and this sort of ties into my recent uh road trips 
and it publishes like a whole bunch of really sort of off the beaten track, sort of visually interesting places. So they might be like one where they they publish like a really cool photo of this like desert that just has this old iron train in it. And it's like, it's not like a, it's just an abandoned sort of place and thing. And they're probably on the line of sometimes getting into the sort of ruin porn thing, which isn't always like the most positive kind of, <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 you know, you know, uh, take on sort of gentrification and things like that to just sort of glamorize things that are in decay, often in economically mm-hmm. depressed areas. But it's just a really interesting resource full of interesting things. And I would encourage anyone to sort of go in and sort of search around the area that you sort of live in and see if there's these interesting sites around you. Because you might discover something that's right in your backyard that's really amazing. Oh, yeah, that's Or true. you might think of something that you might want to contribute to the site. So, okay, so it's user curated? Yeah. And so, like, my, my sister, Jessie, who does a lot of road trips, uh, she uses it all the time. And that's why she's always in these, like, weird, haunted-looking forests taking crazy <laughs> pictures and stuff like that. Um, she finds just these really obscure, very visually interesting things. So I think it's really popular with uh, photographers and stuff like that. Um, so check it out. They have a really cool Instagram feed as well. And it's just, like, a great reminder that there's there's interesting things all around yeah. us. It's not just, like the big sort of stated amusement parks and national parks. There's so much cool stuff like all in between that that we overlook all the Hidden time. Hidden gems. Now, what if what if you mentioning it right now makes it popular and you just ruin the whole thing for everybody? Oh, I, I think they're pretty it's not big. cool anymore. I think they have a big following. <laughs> okay. Still small enough. But yeah, to be cool. Atlas Obscura. Check it out. Nice. Oh, I guess I should close it out, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I I was looking at the time, and I'm like, yeah, we reached it. Okay. So (laughs) thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you're not subscribed already, do it. I say it every time. So hopefully everyone that was like, oh, I don't need to subscribe, I I stay up to date with things. Hopefully you've subscribed by now. Uh, Also, if you've got any cool questions, questions, ideas for topics or uh, hypotheticals, Send it to us, whether you want to hit us up on Instagram at Modern Maker Podcast or through our website, modernmakerpodcast.com. We got a contact page there as well. Uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for watching. And once again, we would really appreciate some five-star reviews or any reviews, really, but especially five-star reviews. And uh, if you throw a question in with a review, Ben will read it. That's a that's, that's right. a guarantee from him. <laughs> sure. Ben promise. Yeah, and shout out to all the people that are doing really awesome stuff for the two two by four yes, challenge. Yeah. We're seeing a ton of really cool projects, so keep them coming and you'll be seeing our stuff yep, soon. Yep, on, on this weekend, on Saturday. All You're right. Out. Bye everybody. <laughs> See you See Saturday. You.